has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Amen. And the church said, Amen. The preacher said it's time to preach, so let's do it. God is good. Amen. And all the time. Very good. Very good. You guys are listening well. We have some visitors with us today. Thank you so much. A lot of you are probably still enjoying uh, turkey leftovers and hope that you are and, and having all that. What is today? Turkey soup or turkey salad or something else? I'm not sure. But uh, we had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving and pray that you have as well. And for those of you that are traveling and visiting with us, thank you so much. And for those that are not here today of our normal family, we're praying for their, their safe return as well. Extended uh, maybe a little bit on their time together with family there. That's a good thing. I heard of a group of people watching a sculptor uh, chip away and chisel and making this statue out of none other than Abraham Lincoln. And after a great deal of work, a little boy looked up to his daddy and he simply said, Daddy, how did he know that President Lincoln was inside of that block of marble? The question I have for us today is, what's inside of you? What's inside of your child? Is it a president, a salesman, a missionary? Is it a doctor, a teacher, a preacher, a good mother, good father, good husband, good wife? I suppose all those things are great and good. But as you chip away at their lives, raising your children, what do you see? Is somewhere in that the image of Jesus Christ? And yet a self-evaluation, evaluation of yourself is that the chipping that's happened in your life, is there a display of Jesus anywhere in your life for others to see? Not just a Sunday when you park a car in a parking lot and walk through the doors, but in your life, in your everyday life. There's a story back in the day with uh, Queen Victoria. England, and, and they still do this. They have yacht races between countries. And in this particular race, the scout would be sent out to a particular pier or a mountainside to, to, to look and see who was coming around the bend in the race and who was in front and second and third and so on. The scout comes back and reports to the Queen of England that the American yacht is in first place. Who is in second, she requested. So the scout returns. And he looks 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 for the longest of time. And after the longest of time, he returns to the queen and he simply says, there is no second place. For the American yacht is so far out front, you couldn't even see a second sail. How about you? How far out front is Jesus in your life? Where is he in your life? First place, tenth place, second place, or so far out front, there is no second sale that can even be seen. You know, they tell us that Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. You've probably heard that before, haven't you? Just one generation. I pray that it's not on our watch. 
So that means there's a lot of work to do for you and for me. And it's not only to come to church and worship God together as a family and and enjoy each other and and all those things and sing beautiful songs and all of that is important and we're praising God while we're here. But it is we move through those doors back there into the world in which we are all placed in at a particular time designed specifically by God for a specific purpose. We've got a big job. Big responsibility on the shoulders of parents and those of us that call ourselves Christian. Our kids are getting a message, and they're getting a message that we send. We have a lot of work to do, including myself. I'm the first on the list to say I fail at that. We must show them that the God... that's in this book called the Bible, is real in our lives. That it's not make-believe. That it's not just something we do on a Sunday morning at 10.30. But we actually live it out in our lives. And so that they can believe that it's the truth and it's just not another book on a shelf. We have a huge responsibility. But how are we going to pass the baton on? through self-help books? How are we going to do all of this? How are we going to show them that God is always out in front of our lives and that He can be out in front of their lives as well as they grow? How are we going to do all of that? Now, I believe what God says in His book. Can I have an amen? I believe that God was right when He said these things in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Meaning there should not be, or I should not be, God is saying, I should never be in second, third, or fourth place in your life. Where is God in your life? Is He really first? It's tough when we talk about evaluations, when ministers get before a congregation and try to get you to evaluate yourself. Because none of us, we we all believe that we have room for growth. Can I hear an amen? And if some of us were honest, we would say, boy, I just wish sometimes he was in the top ten. How are you doing with that? So how are we going to do it? I'll tell you all of that to get to this. I'm going to give you a few things today that might help us be able to pass it on to our children and the world around us, but specifically talking about our children, I guess. And you may say, well, my children are grown. I don't have to worry about that. You have grandchildren. You have great-grandchildren. God's not finished with you yet, my friend. First of all, let me tell you this one, and this is important, is to give them a purpose. You have to give your children a purpose in life. They have to know that there's a purpose for them being here and being here now, not a hundred years ago. That there's purpose connected to it. It's not entitlement. It's not. Christianity is not entitlement driven. It is purpose driven. Jeremiah 29.11 says that he has his plans for us to prosper us. There's something that God has you here for a reason, or you wouldn't be here. 
And if you're a Christian, I know you believe that. Then the question becomes for all of us that believe that is, am I fulfilling that purpose? Am I living those out in my life that God wants me to do? If you don't teach your child that God wants a relationship with them through their faith in Christ Jesus, they can think that they can just piggyback off of your faith. You can't piggyback off my faith, and I can't piggyback off your faith. I don't care how good you are. It just can't happen. If you find no purpose in life, a purpose will find you. And normally, they are not good purposes. Normally, they pretty well stink. Why? Because Satan knows and he loves the fact that you have chosen to refuse to follow God because when you do, most of his work is already finished. He loves it when it happens in our lives. I'm going to use a a strange scripture here in just a second. And in this scripture... I'm going to use the the Living Bible Translation. A lot of people say, oh, you better use King James or you're going to go to hell. No, I don't believe that. So I'm going to use use this this Living Bible Translation, and, and I don't always go to it, but I do like the way this one's written. It really made sense for me this week. May may sound strange at first, but maybe I I hope, hopefully I can explain that. Go ahead. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 and following, it says, in a wealthy home, there are dishes made of gold and silver as well as some made from wood and clay. The expensive dishes are used for guests, and the cheap ones are used in the kitchen or to put garbage in. If you stay away from sin, you will be like one of these dishes made of the purest gold, the very best in the house, so that Christ himself can use you for his highest purposes. When you call on Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, something takes place. What takes place is you come in contact, the scripture teaches, that you come in contact with his blood. You remember your new birth? We've heard about baptism. But there's something special because of that new birth that takes place in your life. When that new birth takes place in your life, you are no longer the paper plate. You are now the china. And there is a big difference. And all you ladies say amen. That's right. And in that process of this, china has a purpose. Paper plates, don't, they don't have a purpose. That's why you throw them away. China has a purpose. Because its value is much higher than that of a paper plate. And once you come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ and become his child, you now have a value here that's precious. But with that, you now have a purpose, a design from God to be something more than what you were. You once were a paper plate, now you're China. Isn't that pretty good? Huh? Anybody out there? All right, very good. Most women don't pass down to their children paper plates. I leave all my paper plates and paper goods to Donna. Well, thanks a lot. Her mother left us 
um, China, but it's really aluminum foil, but we won't go there. She collect, anybody's mom ever collect aluminum foil for some reason? Anybody besides my mom and Donna's mom? Okay, very good. Don't throw that away. That's still good. Deuteronomy chapter 6. <laughs> okay, very good. The scripture tells us there that we are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know that. That's what we're called to do. And then it calls us to do something with that. Once we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we're to do something with that. We're to impart that to our children or to others. So when you're going out about your business that you're talking about God, you're displaying to them that there's a purpose in life. So when you go to the ball games, you go to the dance recitals, or you go to the soccer games, or you go to whatever it is, and you're, you're bringing it up. You're displaying that to them throughout their lives. This is telling, telling us to present Christ in all areas of our lives, not just on Sundays or occasionally on a Wednesday night. It's because when you do, they will see the purpose in your life. That there's a purpose why you do this. There's a reason why you bring up Christ. There's a reason why you bring up all His good things that He's done for you. There's a reason why you brag about your God before your children. They will then see that there's a purpose for why we do what we do. And then they can discover that for themselves as they grow up as well. Help the kids to see that the purpose in life is a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the best way to do that is to live it out in your life. How are you doing with that? We're going to come back to that at the close. So hang on. But let us not forget about Satan. It's easy for us to come and worship God in a place like this, a setting like this, take communion, remembering him and what he had done for us, and somehow let Satan just slip in the back door. We have to remember that there is an enemy that wants to keep that away from you and away from your children, especially your children. Because you may be all in. And he may be saying, I may not get you, but I'll get your child. And if they get your child, if you're a parent, and if they get your child and they know you know that he's gotten your child, it hurts you as bad or even worse than if it was you yourself. Parents, you know that, that have been through that. Some haven't, and it's just been wonderful and glorious, and you're like, wow, this is just wonderful. But those of us that have struggled with that with our children or grandchildren, we could say, oh boy, isn't that the truth? And we don't want it to happen. So we have this job to do. So let us not forget that Satan is the ruler of darkness in this world. And if our kids don't know God's word and see you and me striving to pass on our faith, then trust me, it will be extremely difficult for them to stand firm when all breaks loose in their life. Now, I know that they can't have our faith. But our faith in God should be the foundation for them to build upon. And I say that out of great respect for all the people that I know in here that have great faith and have seen that in your life displayed in the 24 plus years that I've been here. 
Because this is the truth. In most circumstances, not all, but in most circumstances, when you find a person with great faith, you trace it back and you'll find a displayed for them somewhere in their life someone of great faith. Isn't that amazing? Any of you have someone in your life that had great faith, and because of their great faith, it caused you to grab onto one for your own. Anybody? We should just, just put both hands up like this. This is okay. It's not a touchdown. It's praise God. Amen? Praise God for people that had faith. That great cloud of witnesses it talks about in Scripture. You know some of those people, and they're not, their names aren't in that book, but they're in your heart. And their great faith has helped launch your faith into life. A friend told me one time, she says, knowing She's known, she said, she's known what she believed for years, and she had it all mixed up. And she did. You know why I say that? It's because it's not what she believes, it's in whom she believes. Because you see, you can believe in something that may or may not be true, but when you believe in Jesus, it is all true. Every bit of it. I am persuaded that he is able. I believe in Jesus. You see, I'm not sure of everything in this book. Anybody, any scholars here, do you think you got it all down? I am not sure of everything in this book, but I am sure of whom I believe. And I am persuaded, and his name is Jesus. Purpose is my relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when I have that relationship, He will ensure me, and He will instill in me, and He will show me what those purposes are in my life. No relationship, no purpose. Paper plates. Purpose, relationship with Jesus, China. You choose. Secondly, Teach them to pray, praying with them and for them and about them and all the other stuff about prayer. Prayer is such a beautiful thing that God gives us permission to have. It's our communication to God. I've said it before, it is our umbilical cord that connects us to God. It feeds us the source in what we need in our lives. Teaching them, teaching your children, teaching them that prayer is the power station for their life is valuable. So I put it like this. thought about it this morning. I just jotted this in because I was thinking about our grandkids, um, our little ones. They are just a whiz on computers and the, 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 the little machines that they hold in their hands and all these electronics. And I thought about them this morning as I was praying over them. And I said, there is not a kid that I know above the age of three. See if this isn't true. Above the age of three that doesn't know that when their electronic device, these iPads or whatever they're using, the portable video games, whatever, when that little icon of that battery is low, comes on, every one of them realize that they have to get power to continue to play and they know exactly where to go to get that power. 
every single one of them, three years old and up. Here's the thing. You and I do the same with our laptops, our cell phones, and all those other devices that we have. Do your children know where to go to get the power that they will need to sustain them in life? At the age of three? Teach them where the station is. And better yet, go to the station with them often. Not just at bedtime, now I lay me down to sleep. And not just when you have a meal, but often. When you're going to the soccer game, just say, hey, let's take time to turn the radio off or turn the machine off, and let's just go to the power source itself. Praying for both teams to be healthy and strong. Praying that you will not be injured today. Praying and teaching them. Before long, I will tell you, if you do that with your small children on the way to the games, they will begin to remind you, oh, we forgot to pray. One of the most treasured things that I have about our grandson living with us for the last eight or nine years, I guess now, maybe a little more, all the mess-ups, all the mess-ups, and all the other stuff, and all the things in between, all the shows we've watched together, all the games we've watched together, and all the other stuff, is okay, some not okay, some horrible. But I will tell you one thing. Every morning and every night, Donna and I and our grandson, we pray together. And I treasure that. And I pray that someday, when he's my age and he has grandsons, that he will stand and pray with him every morning before he goes to school. And I would pray that he would think, I do this because I know that it works, and my papa and my nina taught me that it works. That's what I long for, because it does. Prayer works. Remember this as well. In your daily prayer, don't forget to remind her or to remind yourself. So don't forget to remember where your children come from and who they really belong to. You may have thought it was all you, but trust me, it is God. If you remember last week, as we move on here, if you remember last week we talked about Hannah. Remember she wanted a son or she wanted a child. She couldn't have a son. And so she cried out to God for this child. And then she said what? She said she was going to dedicate that child back to the Lord. Put the scripture up in 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says, so in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, which means because I asked the Lord for him. I love that because it tells me that you can ask the Lord whatever you choose. He may not give it the exact way that you expect it, but God wants to hear our request. We learned that in our prayer class today. I appreciate all of them, all of them that were in our class. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Notice what she says in verse 26. She's going back to Eli, the priest. She's before the priest the first time when she prayed that prayer. Now watch what she says. Pardon me, my Lord, that she's talking to Eli. As surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child and the Lord granted me what I had asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for he is, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. Please listen closely. 
It is never an accident when a child is raised to honor God. Never. Praying together is a way of helping them to see He is important in your life and can be and should be to them as well. The best way to start is by giving them back to God. These are your children. They're just on loan. This is the one you gave me. All the bumps and bruises, the height or no height or whatever it is, this is the one that you gave me. It's from you, God. It must be just right. You must believe that I can handle a lot with this one, but here he is. God loved you that much. The best time to start is now. That's why we have invested so much in our children's programs here at Western Hills. It was by no accident. Why we did everything that we did before we getting into this stuff. And why we're continuing to do for our young people. And you're saying, whoa, that's a lot of investment. It's a lot of money. You're asking for so much. Are we? Are we? Is that investment not worth it? We believe it is. We believe and we are convinced that the seeds that we are planting in the hearts of those little children over there will pay great dividends in God's kingdom to come. We believe that. Number three, we'll close up. I've got about 12 of these, so you're only getting three. Jim said, no, not three lessons today, bud. Come on now. All right, number three, display Christ in your own life. Displaying Christ in your own life. Let me tell you this way. Counterfeit money has no value. You can have a pocket full of monopoly money. You ain't buying anything that's real. Did you know that? Sure you did. And if you are not real around others and your children in your Christian life, they aren't buying it. Trust me. They're just not buying it. They're just not by. You remember when your kids were real little and you could fool them with things? Anybody remember that? What happened? They grew up. And then you started seeing that come out. And all of a sudden you're like, oh boy, they're paying attention. Wow. I can't believe he said that. Where did he get that from? Oh, no. Blame someone else. So what is the pattern you set for your children? Are you teaching them honesty and kindness and giving and love and compassion and and, and forgiveness and all the things that you know that are right and pure before God? What type of pattern in life are you displaying before your children? That's an honest question, isn't it? What kind of display are you making for your children? Is it God's first pattern or is it a commitment? Or is it your commitment to Him somewhere down the line connected to a convenience? It's convenient, so maybe. Trust me, they know the difference. If they don't right now, if they're small enough, you might be just getting through, but someday they're going to know the difference. And it'll be clear and plain. And it might embarrass you. I know it has me in times past. If you asked your child, here's the question. If you asked your child, what's the most important thing in the whole wide world to them, what would they say? Parents, you know that. 
If you ask your child, what is the most important thing in the whole wide world to you, sweetheart, what is it? They'll tell you. If we could ask your children, what is the most important thing in the whole wide world to you, what would they say? I will guarantee you they will say something. What will it be? Or what is it? important it should be the love of Christ we know that as Christians because when we carry the name Christian we carry Christ likeness that's the word Christian Christ like I'm not Christ I'm Christ like but to tell you the truth sometimes I don't look Christ like I don't act Christ like I don't talk Christ like I don't give Christ like I don't attitude Christ-like. Maybe it's just Harley's confession day. I don't know. My dad always said this. He said, if you find a man that loves the Lord, loves his family, and loves his country, you will find a good man. My dad loved and served all three, and I am grateful. If your lifestyle doesn't verify it, you may as well tell them a nursery rhyme is true because you don't carry much weight with Jesus. Because when all heck breaks loose and you cry out to Him, they're going to be, well, who are you talking to? Do we just go there when that comes up? Do we just have that level of commitment? You won't let me miss a ball game. You won't let me miss this. You won't let me get this grade But here it's, uh, don't forget to keep first things first is what I'm saying. Here's one. You know, I love to wear a vest, and I don't really know why. Maybe it's covering my belly up. But nonetheless, um, it's one of my favorite stories. Probably told it for 30 years, I guess. I read it. It's a Christian author. His name is Bob Benson. It's a really good read. And um, I can't even remember the name of the book now, but I remember him saying these things. He tells of a time when he was asked to pray at his son's high school graduation. And what a great honor it was. So he went and he bought him a brand new three-piece suit. And uh, he wanted his son to be proud of him, of course. So he gets up and he says his prayer. And after the high school program was over, one of the high schoolers ran up to Mr. Benson and said, Hey, Mr. Benson, thank you so much for that fine prayer that you had. But you buttoned your vest up wrong. Mr. Benson said he looked down, and sure enough, it was the top button, and all the way down, they were just cockeyed. Huh. How in the world could I be so careless, he said to the young man. And the young man simply came back and said, well, if you don't start off with the right button, it's going to be cockeyed. And Mr. Benson later wrote these words. He said, that's a lot like our Christian walk with God, isn't it? It's easy if you get the first button wrong. If you don't put first things first, it's real easy to go through life. Cockeyed. But if you get, but if you get the first button right, your priorities in place, it all lines up, makes it a whole lot easier. There is a reason why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
And all these things will be added unto you. There's a reason for that. There are some people here today, and undoubtedly some people will be listening to this in the future, that do not have your priorities right. I am not here to judge you, my friend. But if you're trying to pass the baton with God first and you're without God first in your life, you're going to end up cockeyed. That's just the bottom line for any of us. You see, that's why it really matters. It really matters that Jesus is so far out front that there is no second place. How you doing with that? Honestly, just, just, just you. How are you doing with that? Do you want it? Do you really want that? Do you desire that? Do you hunger for that? Today we're going to offer this time as we sing this song to allow you to come and let us pray for you and with you. And because we pray for you and with you doesn't mean that we're better than you are. It just means we come into an agreement with God and with you that we, we want to help you in this process and get to the Father that we know will help us get to where He wants us to be. So whatever your decision is today, weigh it right now. Don't think of something else. Don't think of anything else, but just think of yourself for a moment and think of what where God really is in your life and that sail. Where, where in that line is He? If it's not where you want it to be, today is a good day to get it back in order. And that's what we really offer right now. So if you have a prayer need, prayer request, whatever it might be, please, now's the time to come and let us pray with you and for you. God bless you. Let us stand. Great is thy faithfulness, O God thy Father. There is no shadow of turning. Thou change 